on this beautiful Lord's Day. Um, it's been a beautiful last two or three days, and um, we get to see all of God's beauty um, every time that we go outside. We get to hear it, even with the, the birds chirping and stuff. And so it, God, God surrounds us, and we can see it uh, ever-present. This morning we're going to continue our, our lessons on Christian graces. Lord willing, um, I'm not sure if I'm going to uh, do the last two in one or if I'm going to try to push those out in two. But we'll be finishing this series soon. Uh, but then again, I'll be pre uh, teaching in April, come in April, so i got to finish it sometime. But we're going to continue our uh, thing on Christian graces uh, that we find in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and the virtue knowledge, and the knowledge temperance, and the temperance patience, and the patience godliness, and the godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. So this is going to be um, sermon number eight. Uh, and this morning we're going to be looking at godliness. When you look up the Greek word for godliness, it means piety, especially the gospel scheme godliness or holiness and uh, we, we read in the scriptures be ye holy as he is holy uh, we are to live our lives in, a, in, a, in accordance to the gospel what the teachings of Christ the, that's been laid out by the Holy Spirit first Timothy chapter 6 verse 3 the verse that Ben read for us this, this morning if any man teach otherwise this would be a false teacher that's what we're dealing with in Peter uh, in, in the second epistle is false teachers. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, that would be the doctrine of Christ, which is according to godliness. And so where are we going to find out our godliness? It's from the doctrine of the Lord. Remember what Peter had told them in the verse, first couple of uh, verses that God had given them all things to what? Godliness. It's through the word. He gave it to the apostles and to the writers of the new, writers of the New Testament, and we have it in written form. And so we have to live out the gospel. We must practice what we preach. If we're going to try to encourage those that are living their life wrongly, we first must make the corrections. And so this is going to be where you're really uh, focusing in on repentance. You, you, are, you are trying to live a life that is for Christ. As we had talked about that Paul, would, uh, he um, buffeted himself daily. He, he always brought himself um, under subjection so that he would not sin against the gospel. And when he was preaching to others, he himself would be a castaway. That brings us back. We looked at it uh, a sermon ago or two. Matthew 7 verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thy own eye? And so what would the world call such a one? 
Jesus called him a hypocrite. In verse 5 of Matthew 7, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thy own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. And so here in the context, a beam would be this great big log sticking out of your eye. But the, the, the um, mote in your brother's eye would just be a, a speck. A speck. But you're going you're gonna to harp on them, but you're going to be living contrary to how God would have you live. And so remember what Peter said in his first epistles. How were Christian wives told to convert their husbands? We had done a study on the first uh, book of Peter um, over a year ago. First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word. So these are non-Christian husbands. They also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. That would be their manner of life. It's the actions of their wife that's going to bring them to Christianity. While they behold your what chase conversation coupled with fear. So again, it's your manner, the, the, the wives' manner of life. Whose adorning let it not be outward adorning of plating the hair and the wearing of gold or the putting of apparel. And so it's not the attractiveness of the outside, it's the attractiveness of the inside of the lady. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. That's what's important to God. It's our inner man. And so the women were to live their, their lives in such a way that they're going to win their husbands to Christianity. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in such subjection on their own husbands. And so they don't go, well, I'm not going to listen to you because I follow God and I don't. No, they're, they're doing this all through a meek and quiet spirit. It's through their actions. Influence can either help the gospel or it can hinder the gospel. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, on that Sermon on the Mount, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, if you have lost your influence, wherewith where shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden under the foot of men. And so if we don't live a life that is of good influence, then we are going to be trodden by men. We are going to be spoken evil of. The worst part is, is they're going to speak evil of the gospel. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And so we shouldn't be ashamed of our light. We should be ready to shine our light. In verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Well, that's your manner of life, good works. You're doing things that are, are good and pleasing to God, but then other men are seeing what you're doing, and in the, in the response, they're going to glorify our Father, which is in heaven. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, notice what Peter had wrote to them. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Again, this is just temporal. We are just pilgrims here. This is not our permanent home. We look for a better home. Well, what does he tell them to do? Abstain from what? Fleshly lust. Don't sin. 
which war against the soul. Now notice verse 12, having your conversation honest. That's again, that's your, your way of life, the things that you're speaking, the things that you're doing, among who the Gentiles. That word is they may speak evil against you as evildoers. They're saying it falsely because you're living yourself honestly. They may by your good works, which they shall behold, so these are things that they can see, glorify God in the day of visitation. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, what's some things that we can do that will discourage others from wanting to follow God? Do all things without murmuring and disputing. If we were as Christians always disputing with one another, that's not godly. If we're murmuring, who are we ultimately murmuring against? God. Remember, uh, he even told, I believe it was uh, Moses, they don't murmur against you, they murmur against me. When, when, um, can't remember I want to say it was Joshua when he when he says they he, God tells them to appoint a king and he says you they have not rejected you it's not Joshua is it uh, they have not rejected you they have rejected me just one second Samuel thank you so much Samuel I had the big cue card in the back helping me out on that one <laughs> That's my teleprompter. <laughs> Thank you so much. But uh, it was Samuel. God told them, they're not murmuring and, and complaining against you. They're doing it actually against me. Notice when we don't murmur and dispute that we, you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God, we are the children of God without rebuke. They can't bring anything against us. In the midst of what? A crooked and perverse nation. That sounds like the U.S. Among whom you shine as what? That's again your influence. See, if we're murmuring and disputing, our influence is weakened. Shine as lights in the world. But you do it, how? Holding forth the word of life, that doctrine of Christ, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And so Paul's telling them, if you do these things, then my efforts, my work with you is not in vain. James chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, James wrote, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness what? The engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Remember, the law of Christ is not written on stones of tablet, but fleshly. Our heart, our mind, is engrafted. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And so we have to be doers of the word. We must live it out each day. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. When, when Paul is giving to Timothy the, the qualifications of an elder, he said, moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. 
the ones that are outside of Christ, you must have a good relationship with. That they can't, they don't, don't live a life that utters speak evil of Christianity. Let's look at this morning some examples of positive influences that we read about. The first one that came to mind was the Samaritan lady, the lady at the well. In John chapter 4, verses 15 through 18, the woman saith unto him, she's speaking to Jesus, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And so he was teaching her at the well about, about him, coming to him and having that, that water where he would never thirst. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. She was honest. Now she wasn't sinlessly perfect because in verse 18 he says, For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. So she was living in adultery. She couldn't, but the other five husbands was scriptural. The man that she was with now, she could not refer to him as her husband. In the, that says thou truly. The Samaritan woman was honest. How did her countrymen view her? John chapter 4, verses 28 and 29 the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men. Well, she already, I, I skipped a lot of the story, or a lot of the, um, the recount of what happened there. But Jesus had told her everything that she had, and she said, you're that prophet. Surely you're the Christ. And he even said, who speaketh to you now is the Christ. And then she goes, come see a man which told me all the things I ever did is not this the Christ. She went straight into town to tell others. Because the Samaritans, they believed in the Pentateuch. And in the Pentateuch, we are told that there is going to be a Messiah coming, the Christ. Will they ignore her or will they go and see? In John chapter 4, verse 30, then they... The ones that she went into the city, the toll went out of the city and came onto him. Why did they go? James chapter 4, verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for what? The saying of the woman. Which testified, he told me all that I ever did. She he was honest. She had good influence. She may have been a sinner, but she had good influence. Honesty. Her influence caused even more to believe in Christ. There was others that didn't believe necessarily what she said, but they went and did it because they believed that she was honest. John chapter 4, verses 41 and 42, and many more believed because of his own word. When they came out to see, they heard Jesus speak and they said he is to Christ. She brought others to Christ by what? Her influence. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. But it all started with what? Her influence. 
How about Cornelius? In Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And so this is how God saw him. This is Luke recording by the Holy Spirit a description of Cornelius. But was this the only way that Cornelius was viewed? Was it only by God? Or did, did his actions speak louder? In Acts chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye see. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all nations of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. His fellow soldiers viewed him as a just man. These were the men that he would have called to go to uh, Peter. You also notice that Peter didn't, I mean, Cornelius did not hide his, his faith in God being a Gentile. Cornelius was an honest man of good report of the, of the Jews, him being a Gentile. Uh, he didn't hide his devotion for the one true God. Uh, it even also said, let me go back, that he was a good report of the Jews. And so that tells me that he was a just uh, centurion. Um, he wasn't one that was um, misusing his power against the Jews, as we have seen in other cases. What did Cornelius do when Peter arrived? In Acts chapter 10, verse 24, And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together who? His kinsmen and near friends. Come and see. Come and see. If he was a bad influence, would they have came? In Acts chapter 10, verse 33, Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, now therefore are we all here, present before God, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Cornelius was also not a selfish man. He cared about the, the lives and the souls of his, his kinsmen and friends. So was Cornelius the only one saved on that day? In Acts chapter 10, verses 47 and 48, Peter stood up and said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And so it was all those that were in attendance that day that believed these, plural. Verse 48, and he commanded them, not him, them, to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Good influence. Well, what about some examples of some negative influence? You now I already know where I'm going with this one, Paul. Paul had some negative influence at the beginning of his, his conversion to Christ, but 
before Paul's complete conversion to Christ, he already had uh, seen the Lord on the road to Damascus. And he was told to go into the city and it would be told him what he must do. And the Lord came and spoke to Ananias and told him to go find Paul. And Ananias was a hesitant to go. Why? In Acts chapter 9, verses 13 and 14, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to, the, to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. Ananias was scared. He didn't want to go talk, find Paul. He's evil. Paul's reputation preceded him. Shortly after his conversion, his reputation remained tarnished. In Acts chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, and straightway, that's Paul, he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed. Now, these would be non-believers. And said, is this not this he that destroyed them, see, them, which called on this name in Jerusalem and came thither for that intent that he might bring them bound onto the chief priests. And so these would have been non-believers uh, hearing him, and they were amazed. In Acts chapter 9, verse 26, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, now he's wanting to gather with the saints in Jerusalem. He assumed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. His manner of life up to this point was of negative influence. These were fellow Christians. It took the influence of another Christian, so Paul was accepted. In Acts chapter 9, verse 27, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Barnabas saw the change in Paul. How did the Holy Spirit describe Barnabas? In Acts chapter 11, verses 22-24, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and seen the grace of God was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he, Barnabas, was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. You know, we were talking about in class um, when we were studying. Um, Ben's doing a great job with class, and we were talking about how that Barnabas probably wasn't the chief speaker when they went into these nations teaching and preaching. This verse would refute that. Much people was added on to the Lord. We were talking, we were talking as, as general that, and I believe it was even I that said that, more than likely, Paul was the one that would uh, go and speak before um, in most of the conversions. But here it tells us that he was a very good evangelist. Very good evangelist. 
much people were at it, but it was because he was honest, he was a good man, and he was full of the faith. Uh, his faith in the faith. He did it by the words of Christ. Our past lives, though of no importance to God, can influence our ability to teach others. Mark chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Uh, they want to discredit Jesus because of his heritage, because of where he came from. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. Converting family is going to be hard to do. Converting co-workers is going to be hard to do and friends because they know who we may have used to be. So you take somebody else to teach the lost. It wasn't Cornelius trying to convert his household. He called for Peter. Let him do it. Even though much was said of good of Cornelius, I don't want, want to contradict myself. Even Jesus' brethren didn't believe in Jesus, and he was what? The master teacher. John chapter 7, verse uh, 2 through 5. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand, his brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth any things in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. Thou do these things, show thyself to the words, for neither did his brethren believe in him. At this time, they didn't believe. Because if you go back on the screen and see who his brethren were, we see James. By most believe that he is the writer of the book of James. We know it's not the Apostle James because we read in Acts 12 where his life was taken. And then we read of Judah. And Judah would be the writer of the book of Jude. And so we see that his brethren did believe on him at some point. But at this point in juncture, they didn't believe on Christ. Second Corinthians chapter three verses two and three. This is why you you live the life. Even as a congregation, we live a life a certain way. Ye are our epistle. Now Paul's writing to uh, the brethren there in Corinthians, and he's saying all that had a hand in in helping build that congregation up and and add to it. They were their epistle. Written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. It's the way that we live our lives. We are a living epistle. Read by all. 
We have control of what's on those pages that they're reading. It's in our actions, the things that we say, the life that we live. Live a life that others desire. Live a life that false teachers cannot find a fault in you to attack the truth. I'll finish with this right here. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Walk worthy to be called a Christian. That's, what, that's our vocation. That's our work. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. You're seeing a lot of these same, same things that Peter's writing to his audience. Endeavoring to what? Keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We walk a certain way to bring unity. We try to bring others into that bond of unity. But if we live a life that contradicts the truth, it's going to be hard to convert them to the truth. So this morning, if you're not a Christian, we invite you to become one. It's the same uh, invitation given. It's God's invitation that's been given for almost 2,000 years. It starts by hearing the Word of God. That's what our faith is built on, is the Word of God, Romans 10, 17, so that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The things that are written in the Bible is to produce our faith in Him, because we can't see it for ourselves. We go by accounts of others. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John writes, and many other signs and truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you may have life through his name. When we see in the writings things that we need to make corrections in our lives to, so that we are conforming to the word of God and not conforming the word of God around all of us. That leads one to repentance. Jesus says without repentance that we will perish. Luke 13, 3 and 5, I tell you, that except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And then we must confess him for, before others. That's what the Samaritan lady was doing. She was, she was confessing him before those in the town, saying that he is the Christ based on the, the interaction that she had with Christ. She brought others to Christ. She was confessing and professing him going forward. And that's what we are to do. Jesus says that if we don't confess him before men, that he will deny us before his father. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. And then we must allow someone to immerse us in water so that we may become the children of God. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have been baptized. Uh, have put on by Christ. That is to be clothed with Christ. Becoming in the fold of God, having our sins washed away, Acts 22, 16, by the blood of the Lamb, Revelation 1, 5. And then we're told to live faithful, that is steadfast in the word of God, and he will give us that crown of life at the, end of, at the, at the judgment, Revelation 2, 10. If perhaps you have obeyed the gospel, which you have been living a life that has brought reproach or shame against against the church, against the Lord. If we can help you in that way, if we can help you in either way, and if you'll come to the front, and together we stand and sing the song of the church.